Right, you know, we're uh, back at FIHQ and uh, the gents on my left hand side, Adam and Mike, were with me before, but Kieran, you weren't. How are you doing, mate? Uh, very good, yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, wrapping up a, a long, long year of, uh, of Football Index. A good year, though. Yeah, very, 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 uh, very, very exciting. I mean, we've, we've grown a huge amount in terms of the market, in terms of a lot of new, new customers, a lot of new ideas. Um, yeah, it's, it's been good. Brilliant, and it's uh, good to finally get you on board. It's been it's been tough work. <laughs> and uh, Mike, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, looking forward to Christmas. Uh, looking forward to feast of football. Uh, not least uh, Liverpool Wolves or Wolves Liverpool on Friday night, the Friday before Christmas. That seems a bit of a mad uh, scheduling um, of, of football match, but yeah, all on board for that. And Adam, how are you doing? Last but not least. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, uh, been a uh, been a roller coaster of a year. Um, can remember when it was just like the three of us in a little room downstairs, um, and now we're 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 looking for a bigger office again. Um, so we've got about thirty here, and we're looking now for capacity to up to about fifty. Um, so we've got someone charged with finding us a new, a new home for, for next year. Um, yeah, so it's exciting. Exciting times indeed. And I think the last time we sat around this table, we talked about you guys wanting to double the business in 2018. Yeah. Uh, how's that gone? Very well. Yeah, yeah well, we've, we've done more than that, yeah. I would say. Um, we did that in September or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just looking at the, yeah, the, the numbers of... Um, it looks like quite a healthy hockey stick over to 2018. Well, not too far up the hockey stick, because I'm sure we've got a way to go. But to get up that hockey stick, I'm assuming we need to go a little bit more international. So why don't we talk a bit about what action you guys have seen from uh, foreign territories so far? So I guess we started with Sweden, um, Canada and Ireland. Have we seen much traction in those areas? I would say Ireland is probably growing faster uh, than, than anywhere else and it's probably not a surprise because um, native speakers and, and, and so on um, and you know, quite a lot of enthusiasm for football and, and Kieran's Irish <laughs> potentially betting <laughs> but yeah I, I think we, we were able to kind of um, use a lot of our existing relationships uh, to like get immediately a TV exposure there yeah so. I think their sort of media is largely aligned with the UK we have some of it which bleeds over into the Republic of Ireland anyway with talk sport for instance but we've we've gone into Ireland with a, a, a reasonably aggressive uh, strategy we, we're live on the radio there we're live on Sky TV there um, we run a lot of our digital activity um, through Ireland as well. Um, so it, it isn't really a surprise that that's probably growing faster than the others. Um, some of the other markets we've, we've opened up to um, have been more challenging in terms of um, things I guess we, we maybe didn't anticipate, or certainly I didn't anticipate from a marketing perspective, such as payments, for instance. So. In Canada, it's um, it's much more difficult to get money in and out of football, of football index, um, and it's things to look for in the future and to look for when we go into further territories, which is of course the ambition. Growing pains, eh? But um, was one of your contacts in Leinster by any chance in in Ireland? Because that seems to be 
92% of the, the listenership for the podcast oh, really? seems to be in that area uh, from Ireland. So Dublin is in Leinster. Uh, Leinster. Leinster is like a, not a county, but a province. Um, so yeah, uh, there's Dublin has about a million, million and a half people. So brilliant. Well, I mean, it'll be quite skewed towards that population wise for the whole country so fair play well i mean you guys didn't tune in to for a geography lesson but there you are <laughs> glad the recurrence went to that one yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we would have gone on like uh, three idiots yeah. for ages yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting yeah. one <laughs> but but anyway mike you mentioned new territories what what's the ambition where where are the the areas i suppose you guys each have individual thoughts like I think that's going to be the place and I think that's going to be the place um, I always told people that I think Australia could be a good market for example yeah. I mean I, I think Australia could be a good market um, it obviously there's an established betting market there I actually think that we are very aligned as a group as to where we want to take the products and I, it, it's probably not enormously surprising to, to, to many people that we we obviously want to operate in regulated markets uh, ideally or, or markets where certainly we, we can do so legally. I think, you know, at this point in time, that sort of drives us into Europe, probably, into various territories, which you, you could probably guess um, on, on one hand what the target territories would be. But given that all of these things are quite complex legal and regulatory compliance issues, it would probably be remiss of me to gamble on which which one we end up going into first so i think all we would say is that we are actively looking at expanding into a number of territories in europe primarily mm, interesting. and then with australia as well i mean we've got you know quite a few people actually wanting to um, help us open up in australia um, it, it's a highly regulated market football is becoming much more popular in australia now than than it used to be, so I can see that, um, you know, fitting into the roadmap. Um, the exact timing of that um, is uncertain right now, but it, it is good because it's um, it is a highly regulated market with a well-developed gambling community over there. So that's going to be exciting for us as well. And of course, America in the more long term is going to be really. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch how gambling evolves in America you know they're slightly arrogant they think they know everything over there but they're they're way behind the eight ball when it comes to to online gambling they're far way you know way less sophisticated than the European market but big opportunities there and we're looking at a, a business process patent over there it's one of the few places in the world where you can you, you know, patent law is, is, is quite aggressive over there and you can actually patent business process. So we've got some bit, a lawyer over there looking at that for us. And if, if, mm. Yeah, but that's a long way down the line for us, uh, the States. It's a, a complex um, set of um, bumps to na navigate. Yeah, I can imagine America is never the easiest place to do business, is yeah. it? But um, on more of the, the product side, the actual game itself football index a lot of people are fearing that once we do hit the likes of germany and spain and france etc but you've got two sides of the coin right you've got a lot of people saying that but a lot of people don't want to be paying attention to the uk newspapers all the time 
and you've got another set of people saying, well, hang on a minute, I've placed all my bets with a, a view that only UK-based papers will be attributed to media buzz. So what what's your thinking currently in terms of if this thing does go global, and we all hope it does, where do you see... Um, media buzz do you see it staying uk centric or do you see it expanding in the long term yeah i think i think we would certainly if if we're if we're talking about a, a merged situation i think yeah the there, there's a strong argument to say that if we didn't do enough localization the impact of being in other markets is not going to be the same so if if we go in with a uk centric product to another country that doesn't care about the Premier League or the Metro then you know is that actually going to have a positive impact on the market as a whole mm. probably not yeah. um, or at least not what it could be so I think it's, it's a balance between you know well certainly we, we need to do enough localization that we're going to be a success mm. um, because if, if, if we don't then we'll have wasted the opportunity. I think there's also a point there as well, isn't there? Because you've got in 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 football media um, globally, if you were, if you were to look at it, you've probably got a, a number of titles which are actually pretty ingrained in European. Um, uh, you know, so there's like Build, Marker, um, and, and Keep. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, we 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 kind of know that those are the authorities on football in the, the various territories and you could make an argument that actually to sort of homogenize um, uh, the the media buzz into 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 those at some point would would be the right thing to do because people from Australia would would probably still read the Guardian or the Mail online or whatever for their football reports I think it's a logical step isn't it I mean it it makes sense but also if you think about some of the papers in the UK, and there are a lot, a lot of these guys are taking stories and headlines from the, the papers that you mentioned anyway. Quite, yeah. So you're talking about how much of a material difference would it make to MB? Who knows? And if you look at the guys at the top currently, you've got you know, Neymar, obviously, and Messi, and Ronaldo, Pogba, um, um, and Salah. All these guys are still talked about worldwide. Yeah. And I think that, like PB after that was introduced, you obviously changed the, the game completely, but there are still some of those guys at the top. Um, and I think that's a far bigger change than potentially changing media buzz a bit slightly. I don't know yeah. if you guys agree. I, I'd agree with that. I think obviously at this point in time, there's absolutely no plan to change the media buzz. Mm. Let's just make that clear. But um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, obviously as we go into these markets, we, we will have to consider how we approach the markets can we just copy and paste what we've got here or will we need to tweak it to so everyone reaps the benefits of having that bigger pool of people? And certainly, I mean, if you look like somewhere like Germany, they are very particular around detail. So um, as Kieran was saying, we really have to have a, a highly localised product that ticks all the boxes if we're going to seriously launch in any of these, uh, these particular territories. Sounds sensible, they always keep saying that you're the sensible one so <laughs> I, I don't know if that's uh, uh, well <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it there <laughs> but anyway I, I mentioned uh, 
PB, obviously, and that's a, a lot of the reason why Football Index is where it is now. Stroke of genius that we can uh, attribute to any one of you in the room. But a lot of people are still, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't say displeased, but um, giving constructive criticism of the actual uh, scoring matrix. So my f- question first off, for example, is, was there any reason, for example, that key passes and, and dribbles and all these other actions were, were left out of the scoring matrix? Or was it just, a, as we mentioned on the previous podcast, getting that MVP product out there? Yeah, so a large part of how we compiled the first um, first drafts of, of when we were building, the, building that, that, uh, that scoring system was to make sure that they were kind of pretty consistent and non-ambiguous. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of these uh, stats, like you know, a key pass, will have some some definition, mm. um, but it's potentially a little bit more subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, ha- having something that's maybe based on very very clear, you know, the ball crossed the line or not. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of factors was appealing um, when we built that that model um, we were you know pretty satisfied that a lot of the best footballers in the world were getting rewarded by it mm-hmm. so um, that that's kind of that was part of how we how we how we pulled it together I kind of I kind of understand why people like to like the idea of some of these uh, some of these different uh, factors coming into it but there's also slightly in, in the same breath, people will say that we don't want uh, a huge shift in in the distribution of no. dividends. So, in a way, um, you know, maybe maybe OCD is the wrong 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 way of putting it. But if if you want everything to stay the same, um, and also want it to be, you know, slightly different, it's kind of you know, I I don't know that it's got maybe the impact that I don't know if it's got the impact that people think it might um, uh, so yeah it, it could be kind of quite a big exercise to well and, and we, we do look at these things but it, it is quite a big exercise to re reallocate all of the all of the risk ratings and, and liabilities and so on to exa- to end up in a very similar spot. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's that effort versus output um, scale that you guys need to be on the right side of. But at the same time, there are a lot of um, people, potentially new users, who still don't understand why X um, gives you Y points or and, and so on and so forth. And a lot of people have put pretty decent uh, cases forward that it maybe should be iterated. Do you ever think that it could be in the future or is that not high up on the priority? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm... I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't disagree that it would be kind of quite nice to to have some of these um, potentially slightly more uh, trendy. Trendy might be the wrong word, but kind of uh, aesthetic kind of yeah. uh, metrics uh, added there because they're they're what you know a lot of analysts talk about. Mm. Um, you know, as the 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 game changing moments and so on. Um, so yeah, I, I see why it's good from kind of a marketing point of view um, and from a kind of making it slightly more intuitive point of view but I think that the bedrock of it probably won't change so significantly whatever we do. I mean we wouldn't want to 
I, I think with anything, you hit the nail on the head, Kieran, you know, what, what the risk versus reward. I, I totally appreciate people have feelings on this, um, this issue and, and, you know, obviously any, anyone's always going to look at things and think, how could that work slightly better for my portfolio? But I think what we're trying to achieve is like consistency of, of purpose and um, really focus on the things that can add as much value as possible. So from my point of view, I would sort of argue if that's not broken, um, don't try and fix it at this at this moment in time. Mm. Yeah, and you'll always find people that say, oh, I liked it the way it was. Yeah. Um, and I've set my portfolio up, uh, it's structured all around uh, around that way. Um, you, there, there are possibilities in the future. It all involved a, a terms change because obviously people have invested in their portfolios on a specific wind mechanic and so one changes that um, wind mechanic at one's peril a little bit. So it's not something we ever rush into changing the basis upon which somebody's taken a bet, really. And there's also been changes quite recently, so it's, it's sensible to assume yeah. that you don't want to change that many things all at once. But um, one thing that people did keep putting forward when I asked for questions was tiered PB. And it's not something I've thought about too much, and I... I don't really know if it's um, if it's actually a thing. I don't know why people are kind of obsessing over it so much. But have you guys talked among, uh, amongst yourselves about this before? Yeah, I, I actually refuted this on Twitter. Although um, a, a while back, I said categorically this will not happen, yeah. um, and a few people sort of retweeted it and said like, "Yeah, th- th- thanks, thanks for the clarity." Uh, but it still seems to rumble on some some which way. So perhaps Kieran, you can put it to put it to bed once and for all. <laughs> I think it's kind of you know for for us we I I think it's less appealing because if if you think about it in terms of uh, you know other markets, um, people trade um, and people who are trading um, and focusing on individual stocks and or. or securities or whatever will focus on that because they have done their research and they think that stock or whatever will will give them a reward and you can hedge that off with you know other 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 trades or whatever but to to get your maximum upside you you're going to need to focus on on the on this on the securities the footballers the the shares that that you want if you dilute those winnings across multiple people no one no one would be able to have the 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 bleeding edge of of kind of the maximum maximum yield and the incentive to try and put that much research into trying to get that yield well yes um and you know the the kinds of returns that you can get from something like a what's been mooted as a tiered pb sort of uh sort of structure can be achieved basically by having a diverse portfolio. Um, so we don't like the idea of removing the the choice from people um, and forcing people into side, sort of a semi kind of index type type kind of uh, spread yield when they can achieve it themselves. Also, I think it probably would reduce in less trading. Yeah, that makes sense from a business standpoint and just from a kind of general product standpoint as well, like that um, excitement or exhilaration to win that big 
return, that big yield that you talked about just then. I don't know if it'd be the same. And I know that a lot of people talk about like compounding um, your winnings with uh, you know media buzz and that kind of like making more and more money on itself. But there is something about that kind of one-off PB win that you get at the 18p, which is kind of a lot more emotionally satisfying to traders, which I think is something that Football Index play to really well right now. And I don't know why they'd, or you guys would, uh, would kind of shy away from. And, and having, you know, a, a winner every day, uh, you know, that in itself is unusual. So, well, and more than one winner, but of course we would have to water down the payouts and it would, it would, it would water down the proposition. I think if we, if we spread, the winnings more thinly amongst more and more players. I think it would it would lack, lack some of its. Um, it would lose you know some excitement and and focus on on the performance of those players. If you're if you're rewarding just loads of different players, it um, uh, I think it'd be a less satisfying product, and and we would have to reduce the the payouts to to compensate for it. Yeah, I, I tend to agree exactly on the on the watering down part. Um, but since we're pressed for time slightly, I'll, I'll move us forward. And this was going to be a smaller part of the podcast, but you guys made an announcement and uh, about the share split. So um, why don't we talk a little bit about why you guys have, have chosen to go forward with another share split in, in Q1 2019? Um, yeah, well, a lot of people have fed back that, um, you know, especially for new players it's quite a daunting prospect to come into a new product uh, and you've got to pay over 19 pounds to 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 pick up a a, a neymar share and um, if you're only coming in with 20 quid it doesn't leave you a lot of change um, so really to get a flavor for the game um, there's a lot to be said for just reducing that barrier to entry we want more people to to experience the game and we don't want to, to have it to, to be a daunting barrier for them. So, uh, and that's feedback we've had from a lot of traders. Um, and um, that was, you know, that's the fundamental driver for it, just to make it more affordable for, for new entrants into it, I think. Yeah, I think, I think there's also an argument that it can be more exciting when you're, when you, when you, when you're dealing with sort of higher volume of, of, of shares. Um, and again, to, to the point that, that Kieran made earlier about the, the, the tiered PB, this actually plays into the hands of people facilitating their own diverse portfolio rather than us saying, oh, we're going to you know, water down the payouts into, um, into uh, you know, first, second and third. People will obviously have the choice to you know, maybe put uh, you know, five pounds into Neymar rather than one nineteen, and and then they can spend the the, the rest of their money elsewhere. Mm. And from from your side of things, uh, not only the accessibility is important, but also um, liquidity must be a, a big factor in in this decision. And prior to order books, that's something that's essential, isn't it? Um, f- to have that share split before before the order books. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's absolutely essential. I don't think one drives necessarily the other, um, or I don't think there's an absolute order that that has to take, but it, it will be before, uh, you know, just, just by, by virtue of, you know, the level of tech work that's involved in each, in each, in each part, um, you know, we, we will be doing the share split first. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
there there's yeah as as a lot of people have kind of uh, observed that you know lower share spl- share prices will deliver visibly lower spreads um so that will be kind of uh you know quite uh quite a good benefit to to encouraging more frequent trades and um encouraging the liquidity in the market to to move around so this is one question that's a slight tangent but it's something that people keep asking me like you got to ask this thing before you go on and it's about um and i'm sure you'll have a very good answer for it but they're scared about um how many shares will have to be bought to go up and down the penny whereas before now it's give or take 100 and we know that's not exact but people have kind of assumed that's give or take and a lot of people are saying well now it's going to be 400 or x amount so do you want to shed a bit more light on um the price change mechanism after the share split yeah i mean i I think we'll simply make sure that it's somewhat consistent with uh kind of the the amounts of money that move the market at the at at the moment Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, we don't get into specifics over it because it, it's, it's a variable kind of, yeah. uh, variable kind of factor. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that, you know, basically whilst the, you know, the liquidity in the market will be better, you know, the, the price movement is probably ultimately going to be at, at similar kind of rates. Well, it, I mean, when we did the share split two years ago, it was consistent. So <laughs> we didn't I, I'm change not, a thing. Yeah. I'm not sure why that would be a concern. Yeah. To well, that's people. what I keep saying to people. There's precedent for this. And from what I can remember still being on the platform at the time, it didn't really change too much. Yeah. Apart from... Um, the max amount of shares that you could buy, etc. Like sure. it, it was just the ratios were the same. Um, so that that's luckily that's put one to bed um, because that's something that a lot of people have been drumming their heads about. Um, but do you think it'll be harder, harder or riskier now than it was back when it uh, back then with more people on the platform, more money in the platform? Is there that fear, or, or are you guys confident that because there's precedent for it, it's going to be pretty straightforward? Uh, riskier in terms of and it's just a tech hitch, for example. Um, yes and no. I mean, it's 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 a different different risk to you know the amount of people doesn't really make that much difference. It's uh, basically, um, you know, uh, Adams mentioned it in a couple of communications in the past. Um, you know, we've been uh, over probably the last nine, maybe more months. Um, we've been in the process of rebuilding the system from the ground up. Yeah, uh, so it's been really, really important to make sure that we have really good data consistency across into the new platform. Um, the reason we're, we're doing it is to make sure that we can have a platform that scales to the, the high volumes that we expect and have ambition to, to, to handle. So um, the, the risk is actually, pro- it's, it's probably a lot easier to do it in this, this new platform, but um, yeah, we, we have kind of risk in migrating between the two platforms that um, we have to, and, and are in the process of doing extensive, extensive testing on uh, to make sure that everything is kind of consistent and kind of behave, market behaviors are, are, are the same um, for the same types of trades and volumes and so on. Data migration is really tough, isn't it? Especially when you're you're moving that m- amount of things from one platform to another. I mean, sort of with TSB Bank, for example, they completely just shut down after trying to migrate from their platform. So it'll be really interesting to see how you guys do it, and I'm sure it'll be successfully done. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully, ho- hopefully, you won't notice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the whole thing, isn't it? That's um, yeah. So we're running running both 
platforms in, in parallel currently and then um, you know, we're taking all the data at the end of every day and then doing extensive comparisons between what comes out of each platform. And of course, you've got so many different processes that are actually um, happening on the platform um, that you have to go, you know, some of these things only emerge o over, over longish periods of time. So you have to do really quite extensive testing um, and, and, and then doing it again and again and again. <laughs> but we're getting, we're getting close to the end, fortunately, and Kieran and Christoph done a fantastic job um, in doing this and uh, I mean it has been frustrating because it, it has taken us uh, most of this year to, to do this and as, um, it's a very important step and it's meant as you know Mike always makes the point you know there's no point in decorating the spare room when you're just about to move house lipstick, um, on, a lipstick on a pig yeah um, so it has meant that um, frustratingly, we, we haven't been able to do um, a lot of improvements to the, to the platform that we would have otherwise done. Mm -hmm. And just reeling it back slightly to, to the share split, because a lot of people are asking questions about this. A lot of, been, a lot of talk about um, whether or not it's going to be uniform across uh, goals and assists, or the in-play dividends and the traditional dividends that we have. So um, obviously you can't say whether there will or will not be, but has there been any consideration as to whether there's a possibility those two things could be uh, split by different numbers? Oh, so uh, to different factors? Yes. I mean, I, to be honest, the, there hasn't been a consideration on that, but I think, it, I, think, I, I think we've always thought share split's a share split and we split everything mm. to the same factor and everything's consistent. Um, the, 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 the last thing we want to do is, is create imbalance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of thoughts gone into the balance that we have at the moment. And again, of course, oh, you know, I set my portfolio up for this balance between strikers and defenders, whatever it is. So we try not to disturb that balance where possible. So I think it's obviously, you know, um, and and social media is a, is a funny place, but people sort of seem to come up with these sort of slight doom um, scenarios um, such as such as oh well what if they did this I think it, I think it's safe to say that the, the the clearest thing we could put out there is what we what we strive for is consistency if we if we're going to add a feature or a payout that's going to be added on top of sometimes that's not even popular as we've seen in the past um, so any idea of changing things chopping changing things it's just something that we we don't really discuss. Yeah, I have said to people that if I was them, I'd be splitting first, and then whatever I do would would be after, and which I think seems sensible. But um, the next thing that a lot of people have been asking about is, is spreads. Um, so, has there ever been a question from someone? Sorry, I don't know who put this forward. Probably a few people. Has there been a consideration to cap spreads? And I probably know the answer to this, but if you want to maybe talk a little bit about it. Um, yeah, I mean, we we aim to have spreads that work for the market. So we have spreads at which people are trading, um, and that's kind of the the ultimate benchmark. If if people are crossing the market and you know filling, you know, and our our market makers being filled, then you know those spreads are are, are somewhat appropriate. 
Mm. Um, we, we, we would like them to be narrower, I would say, uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I've answered your question. <laughs> but I mean, like, I think some people would say that the argument is if they were narrower, then you'd see higher volumes and, and more liquidity. Is it about finding that balance? Um, and, and the other thing is also that we've seen some players go up a pound but still have these big spreads. And my understanding or, or thought process was if I was on the other side of the, the desk, that um, players that have a lot of demand wouldn't have that bigger spread. Um, obviously, each situation is different. We saw Zlatan Ibrahimovic um, gone up and down like a yo-yo many, many times. But um, is there a reason that some of these spreads are, are as wide as they are? And if there is demand for these players, should they be lower? Well, d- demand isn't the only, fa- only factor. It's volatility as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, just because there is, you know, are pe- there, just because there are people buying doesn't mean that that share is likely to be stable mm-hmm. at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it necessarily fo- follows that, you know, just because someone bought a share, the spread should be tight as tight as it could be. Yeah, I mean, in, in principle, we always want the spread to be as narrow as possible because we're always trying to uh, encourage as much trading volume uh, as possible. But we are on the other side um, of that bet. And um, so we are, we are the house uh, in that respect. So if, um, if somebody is injured... Um, if something affects the value of that bet, um, you know that's fundamentally what the traders are um, are taking a position on. You know they're taking a position that their football is going to play good football and and be healthy and be on the pitch. Um, and if for some reason something affects that, then that's going to impact the value of their bet, uh, which ultimately is going to be reflected um, in the spread, which is really. The price that we're prepared to buy that bet back at. I think I think the, there's a key point here, which which is worth making, which is that we do absolutely want the, the spreads to be as tight as possible, and we do always want to offer instant sell. And when I say we always want to offer it, we're offering it 99.9 um, percent of the time. I would say that is available on every footballer um, and with that in mind you know as Adam says obviously we're the house we're the other side if everyone suddenly wants to liquidate one individual footballer or we see a, a, a trend of um, extreme volatility in a footballer you'd have to sort of ask yourself why any, any market maker in any market in the world would, would want to put themselves in a position to take that on I'd liken it to you know if, if Liverpool are playing Manchester United and uh, Liverpool go, you know, a goal up. What what does a what does a what does a, a a bookmaker do? They'll suspend the market, and all of a sudden, your bet on Man United is worth considerably less. So, you know, the market is the market, and it reacts to the events that that happen. And we have a, a position in there as as the house, as Adam rightly says, but we also have a. A duty of care, I think, to people who aren't necessarily sat there glued to football index every single second of the day, um, and some of the time those spreads do reduce panic selling. We know it quanti- quantified in numbers. We know that people are bound to get on the bandwagon and um, sort of 
continue a, a downward snowball. or a, a yeah. snowball. So we saw it with Ronaldo, for instance, with all the, the rape allegations and everyone panicked and the price went down. And we did extend, you know, we did widen the spreads, but even widening the spreads, the price kept on going down. And then you know, a couple of days later, it's gone back again. And you know, quite a lot of people lost money as a result of jumping onto that, um, that bandwagon. I, I think I think it is a, a sort of unenviable unenviable task, but I I think as we say we do want the tighter spreads we we, we we feel we can give. I think the share split in some respects will at least psychologically make that feel feel better to to a lot of customers, um, and um, the fact that we're on ninety nine point nine percent of the time I think offering a price to liquidate is you know something we can be really proud of. Yeah, and I think we, we offer a lot better prices in many instances that you would ever get from a traditional market. Um, a, in a traditional market, you know, market maker is likely to be far more aggressive. Um, if, if he doesn't like the price of that footballer, um, or if it was a footballer, but if it's a, a stock or something that is tanking for whatever reason, he will have, um, you know, he'll pull the the, the rug from the price with impunity and we we try and avoid that where wherever possible so we try and be as gentlemanly around the way we set those prices as we possibly can um, because one of our you know one of the most important things for us um, we've been going for over three years now but you know, our goal is really to create trust and as, as much transparency and consistency around our pricing mechanism and so for that reason, we do try and keep the spreads um, as, as thin as we can, um, realistically, from, from the perspective of our business model. I think that's answered quite a few questions, gentlemen. Um, um, the next thing we're going to talk about is the dividends and, and market cap. We've touched on the dividends slightly. Um, but I've seen a lot of people cite uh, your ambitions to make the, the market cap £100 billion. Um, potentially in some sort of seeders documents in the past. Is that kind of still your ambition? And how do you, how do you see yourselves reaching that goal? Is it through um, increasing dividends or simply expanding into other markets? I, I, I kind of giggled when I um, thought about this the other day because it was always something that we, we, we sort of sat there years ago and were like, we're going to build a market with a 100 million market cap. Um, and now that that is... Um, like an eminently achievable proposition, um, it kind of has changed a bit. And I think in a way we discussed this the other day, of course it is a goal, but in some respects you sort of feel that the goals move as you you go along. And um, yeah, I I, I couldn't sort of see us sort of, um, I'm sure we would celebrate that as a landmark, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right. That's it. Down tools and and that's and we're off. Yeah, it's, it's slightly more now as a sort of natural byproduct of of turning it into a mainstream um, betting gambling product. And I think you know that is more and more obviously achievable, especially in the current climate around uh, responsible gambling. You know, we are extraordinarily unusual in that we don't um, sweep the stake off the table. So we are at the far end of the spectrum from the FOBT, which you could, you know, you could lose 
10,000 quid in, uh, in one session with no trouble at all. Um, it would be very difficult for you to lose 10,000. You'd have to be a terrible trader, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to work very hard to. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd have to try to lose money, really, yeah, yeah. to dump um, to dump ten grand. So I think in the current climate, as we see, as we've seen it you know, uh, evolving over, you know, the um, social gambling, especially in the wake of the World Cup, when you couldn't turn on a, a football game without, you know, there being somebody persuading you to take an acker or some sort of... It was certainly very heavy over the World Cup, wasn't yeah. it? And then previous World Cup as well, especially yeah. I remember Bet365 being absolutely everywhere. Which yeah, was, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it was very reasonable for, for people to conclude if you arrived um, uh, on planet Earth as an alien, you would conclude that uh, football was played so that people could bet on it and for no other reason. Um, it's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So I think it, you know, I, th I think in that climate, this idea of a sustainable bet or sustainable betting, which we in a sense represent, uh, is going to go more and more mainstream, and consequently we will see. I mean, we're seeing it right at the moment. We're seeing you know a higher uptake of new traders than we have done. I mean, we. Certainly at the beginning of the season, we saw a big uptick. Um, but, you know, that's being matched again now that, you know, funnily enough, and it just coincides with all the news about, um, uh, about uh, socially responsible gambling. We're seeing a lot more traders um, arriving on the platform um, in the month of December than we have for a that's really good. That's really yeah. good to hear. And I think people, people want like that. We, we believe that right from the start, don't we? People want that. A long-term, more intellectually challenging proposition, which they could get into, and you know, not just have it go down the the the, the plug hole uh, by ten past three. Um, but yeah, to answer your question from my perspective, what, what will we do to reach the goal of a hundred million market cap or a billion market cap? It, really, hopefully, more of the same. And I, you know, I know that obviously people speculate about different things changing, dividends, share splits. Um, tiered PB, et cetera, et cetera. I think we've now sort of you know, gone past that minimum viable product. We've got something that people like. We know, we're, we're, not, we're not blind to the fact that we, we, that we would, um, you know, that we could improve things. Um, and, we, and we may do in the future, but there's no sort of imminent requirement to do that, I would say. There's a lot of headroom with the new territories. Sort of headroom in this market, particularly in light of the things that Adam's just mentioned there, with you know, problem gambling. Uh, well, actually, just just gambling on crap sports bets being something which people have rightly realised is pretty poor value for money. Mm. So I've got I've got one question, and you know, I'm sure there'll be lots of very good answers to this. If you guys did raise dividends again, say, um, and you do we do see these players go um, a lot higher than we've seen them at this current price. How do you balance that out with the accessibility point? Is it going to be um, through a new dividend function or um, people have speculated, for example, having like a um, percentage of commissions driving the, the dividend payout on a daily basis or, or something like that? Is Have you got any ideas um, in terms of reaching... Uh, a higher market cap, which would obviously mean more players at higher prices, but also keeping that accessibility point 
relatively mm. easy. I, I, I've got a quick thought on that, which I, I think that the answer to that question is that obviously we, we wouldn't want to speculate on, on um, increasing dividends. It's not, you know, it's not something we have a, a plan to do and anything that any of us say now is going to be a, a, an opinion rather than a fact of things that we would do. But my opinion on it would be that the fairest way of achieving what you've just discussed is to go for a decimalized um, approach where you can you know buy 10 quids worth of Neymar irrespective of what his price was rather than these individual shares um, that we that we see and know today so that you know that the, the market cap of Neymar is whatever the market cap of Neymar is and you buy into that and you buy into a share of a dividend which is fixed to that 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 would be my mm preferred approach. I know you're a big fan of this as well, Kieran. I think I think slightly similarly, and, um, and maybe it's just the contrarian in me that's like, you know, see, you know, uh, making sure that we look at all of the different options uh, when we're talking about share splits and, and so on. I actually um, quite like the idea of a reverse share split. Um, <laughs> Shed some light on, light on that. So, uh, to wait for Twitter meltdown. <laughs> Uh, bear with me. Um, so once you have the accessibility factor from decimalization, um, actually it becomes potentially more and more appealing to have you know, uh, a messy that's 100 times the price, but also the dividend is 100 times the current dividend. Um, so actually from a marketing point of view, and, and maybe I, I don't have the multipliers right, but you, we could be talking about a dividend of 50 pounds instead of 5p. Um, okay. And because you can buy point, you know, one seven five of a Messi, you can buy as much as, as you want. That's really uh, and we also uh, potentially advertise fifty pounds dividends on Messi or so on. So that's that's one thing that I want to pick up on that a few traders have really pushed forward. They've been asking about why you guys don't advertise dividends as, as the form of winning. Um, mm. more so yeah it's a very I mean it is a very good point and you know, we have been looking at that and more focus uh, um, on the dividends and of course I mean coming back to the, the original question I mean we are always very conscious that really our, our yield is very very important and um, the top players are showing even at the at the heady prices that we're achieving now still the yield on those players uh, by any other standards, um, any other market, certainly um, the Halifax and, and the Building Society, the yields on those players is very, very good. So we do keep an eye on that. Um, and it's well within the bounds of, of being uh, an extremely good offering, I would say. I mean, it's going to be really interesting when we, you know, one of top of our list when we've migrated to the new platform is going to be the realization of the in-play dividend so that you know when Messi does score a goal your phone goes ching ching so you know Saturday afternoon your phone's just going to be going ching 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 as all the players that you hold you're getting a notification that you've just made money on, uh, you, you, you'll get that very direct feedback of seeing a, a goal scored and your dividends, you know, just plop into your account um, with a nice... Um, it's that euphoric feeling, isn't it? Yeah. 
So. Yeah, it's a, a sort of win experience, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, just to go back to the the rationale for using dividends in advertising and, and perhaps why we haven't as much as we might uh, to date. Um, Football Index, obviously, we all know and love it, and your listeners will 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 know and love it, and 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 that's quite right. But to a new to a new individual who who looks at this product, you know, they they are have to sort of grasp what it is either through the the, the thumb swipe on a on a phone, um, and they call it th- you know the thumb stopper, the thumb stopping ad, or the um, you know thirty seconds on a TV or a radio ad. Um, we have actually advertised dividends on digital before um, and the sort of compound returns that people get through capital appreciation dividends. But the reality is that it's another layer of complexity to, 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 to you know, crowbar in to a 30-second ad where really it, it hasn't been any more successful on our digital advertising than the stuff that doesn't mention it. So I think, I think it's a fair point that you know, people, people make that a lot of people are in this game for dividends. And I think that you know, we've certainly had um, discussions in the marketing department here about u- more campaigns going forward to, to, to utilise that as an opportunity. I think that'll probably come in the, the form of case studies around Okay, you bought this player at 50p. He's now worth a fiver, and he returned this. So we, we, we'll sort of refer to kind of compound yield, if you if, mm. if you like. Yeah, yeah. Different yields would be quite interesting on on FI. But one last question on this this little section: um, when you guys move the uh, the deadline for the dividends, or where you, where you have to buy before your uh, eligible for dividends between midnight and 2pm that seemed to have a very powerful effect on the platform and give it that um, in play feeling a a bit more and and probably drove a lot of trading has there been thoughts on moving that again and uh, whether or not that would be good for the liquidity in the market yeah I mean we've definitely discussed it at length and and we're probably like pretty pretty favourable towards testing it um in 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 the market um i think uh, one of the one of the other things that we did when we introduced into in play dividends and goals uh, or in, in its first iteration goals and assists um was also to test that kind of the response to the market of a midnight or or, or later uh later deadline and i think it's been you know pretty a pretty good indicator that actually you know, so, some less sophisticated. You know, in in real markets, you know, a dividend gets paid. Um, a share might a share price might go one way or another, and it's it's not necessarily directly logical that a share that pays out a dividend will go up. But a lot of uh, people who join Football Index think that actually, you know, that that is kind of a, a logical assumption. Um, so providing um, providing the kind of uh, after the fact incentive to uh, almost a discount on, yeah. on on buying a share price narrow, narrows the spread somewhat and also provides an incentive for people to keep buying um, and and keep pushing the price in a uh, to what might be uh, a less sophisticated uh, trader 
the logical uh, and actually it's kind of quite pleasing uh, <laughs> quite a pleasing thing to see to see those shares moving moving in those kind of uh, consistent uh, directions uh, one of the things that we we still get kind of feedback about is kind of you know from especially from new users is oh you know uh, Coutinho's just being sold for what was it 120 uh, 120 million? I think it was 30, wasn't it? 130? Uh, that was it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of money. <laughs> Loads. Loads Why has price gone down? Yeah, uh, because they associate a a event with, you know, actually that's, that, that should drive the market. And sometimes uh, traders who uh, are executing, executing the strategies that they want to, you know, get out before a dividend yield uh, cuts out will will cause a price to dip, and providing that incentive can support or even push it up. Now on in player dividends, there were a lot of people who actually um, didn't like it. They they some some people left the market, which is you know totally their um is their right to do so. Um, what would you say to kind of a lay fears that football index are moving away from that mantra that your bet's not over till the final. Uh, you're not your bet's not over. At the final whistle, um, because certainly a lot of people say, "Oh, this feels a bit more like a bookie, um, and it feels like I could look, uh, lose a lot more money." Um, but my gut feeling is that you guys aren't solely looking in that direction, and if you and do evolve, that that's not the only way or area that you grow the product. You want something that actually has that balance that we talked about earlier. I mean, I, I would I would agree with that assessment from people if. If, yeah. if we'd asked people to put a sort of side bet on in play, mm. but but we but we it. haven't. We've <laughs> just actually just sort of said, oh, here, here's, here's a bit some extra. Free money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's some free money. So it's quite surprising people leaving when actually we just, oh, we've increased the payout. Oh, I'm going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when you put it that way, yeah. But, but at the same time, there are a lot of people who have said like, um, Oh well, you know, I had all as you said before, I had all my money lined up and in, in for X, Y, and Z reason. Um, and I think that yeah. the reaction was obviously over. Um, people did did over uh, overreact <laughs> to some extent, um, and we've seen it recently with Messi, for example, who uh, went up a fair bit. And I actually tweeted right: this is the first time we're seeing in play dividends in action at the top end of the market. It's, People buying in now get a 10p discount, which percentage-wise is still reasonable. But um, yeah, like, why don't you talk a bit more about um, why you guys were kind of confused or uh, perplexed by the reaction in the community? Well, I, I mean, I, it, it gave us pause for a lot of thought, uh, and we did do quite a lot of um, of analysis over it, and we realised I think that you know our comms could have been a little bit better. Uh, and we didn't possibly anticipate, you know, some of the um, some of the outcomes. Um, it was all done with, I think, the best intentions. We were really, really keen to um, have something that uh, has had a real logical connect. You know, uh, Messi scores a goal, dividends are earned. Um, Mike, in particular, was you know very much challenging um, that very simple. Um, concept around dividends that were linked to to goals um, and the idea that we could actually create a bit more excitement around matches so that you, you felt you had a little bit more skin in the game uh, not because inevitably um, if you've got 
you know, one performance um, uh, match day winner, um, it's quite likely that it's not in the match that you're you're watching at the time. It, it was also as a result of, I mean, perhaps I was enthusiastic about it because we'd actually done some research and we've done advertising research on this where we convert better with this message. Um, and it kind of goes back to the previous question about dividends and, well, why don't you talk about dividends? And the, the reality is the, the dividends we currently have are actually quite complex. You know, you go back what two or three. Exactly. <laughs> and if we go back two or three questions, we were talking about the, mate, the scoring matrix of, of Opta and, uh, you know, how many points goes into that. And then you eventually you, you come to this winner. So to have something that was a really simple, tangible message that you could say to customer, you know, if Mohamed Salah scores goal, uh, a goal today, and you own Mohamed Salah shares, you're going to be you're going to win a payout, mm. you know, and you still own the share, and you can still benefit from everything else. So, yeah, I, I suppose it was it it was unusual um, in in some respects the 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 reception of it. I think you know lessons learned there absolutely have been um, around how we communicate to customers. Um, what we see as a fundamental change and rather than just something which is, is, is a piece of news. Um, so I, I'd use the example there where Adam announced that there would be a share split in the next, you know, in the first quarter of, of 2019. That's a piece of news. It's not an announcement which immediately rocks the market. Um, you know, it, it, it is true that we could have, we could have done that better. Um, but I think overall, and I, I and I do have stats to back this up, um, it has actually been a successful uh, undertaking. And of course, people are entitled to take their money out, as as, as you'd expect. But um, yeah, I I I personally suggest um, politely that that was possibly the wrong thing to do. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to touch on the communication thing there, but I think that you've probably alluded to that there were lessons learned that the next time you guys did communicate some news, yeah. it, it went really well and it was very consistent. The messaging was consistent across every channel that you guys have and um, obviously it was responded to with pretty uh, positivity. Yeah, I think I think when you get it wrong, you know, you just got to hold your hands up and say we got it wrong. I think we did get it wrong that time. I certainly apologise personally to anyone who I upset on on uh, on that or any other incident I may have caused, <laughs> and um, you know it, it it is something which we're working on. We you know we want to be not the faceless brand which only produces press releases, and that's kind of why we're here talking to you now. But at the same at the same time. You know, it, it is a difficult balance because how much do you communicate with people on Twitter, and how much, ha, and what kind of interaction can you have with them, and 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 what kind of news can you put out, um, and in what way? So, yeah, I suppose there's a bit of reflection on that. Yeah, I do think you've put it really well. That the faceless brand, um, 
there isn't that affinity from customer to brand when it is faceless. Yeah. And I think you guys are doing a really good job at the moment, even with the Christmas video yeah. uh, of putting oh, a face yeah. to that brand. I'm sure that took a long time to make. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a couple of hours. Oh, it was weeks in the scripting. <laughs> yeah. I, I, may, I may have contrived a case of the sniffles that day. I'm, <laughs> I'm on holiday for next year's one, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we're pressed for time, so I want to move on to the next... Uh, thing which is IPOs which we probably uh, IPOs yeah IPOs that's what we call them we don't need to speak about them for too long but what are your current thoughts on the system and do you think it could be revamped to make it fairer yeah we, we don't we don't really like how it works at the moment at all but um... <laughs> strange thing to hear from, uh, from uh, chief product it, it, it's something that worked for us uh, when we were at a much smaller scale um, in fact, you know the the current iteration of it is actually uh, one that we've we've kind of the st- the structure you know the 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 semi random kind of timing uh, yeah with it within a within a window um, is kind of there to slightly um, take take the appeal away in in a way because we want to have uh, I guess a, a better system for it and. Probably that system looks something like a something like an auction blind or not, um, you know, uh, to allow people to to get their get their get their potential trades in um, at, at prices that they they would like, and and also to to take a little bit of the the fastest finger first uh, pressure away from it. Yeah, and it'll gamify it a little bit. As well, you know, and add another you know dimension to the whole to the whole thing, and 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 on the other will be less gameable by the by users um, and fairer to the user. Um, I think it's good that you guys have come out and said that you, you don't like it, so that that uh, the community and and you guys here are on the same page about that, which is which is good. And it's obviously there are loads of different directions that you can go down. But I think for people listening and for myself, it's most positive that you guys are looking at changing that in the future. I guess. Yeah. Um, the next couple of things, or the last two things that we want to talk about. One being order books, obviously that we touched on a little bit. Um, are you excited or, or nervous, Kieran? Um, I think it's a, it's a combination of both. I mean, we, we 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 have to. It's it's a huge opportunity because it you know it opens us up to uh, potentially different types of trader. You know, different um, different markets. People who wouldn't consider us uh, initially because it's you know potentially you know quite recreational looking and 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 so on. And people don't feel they have the same options. They might have on on another trading platform if they're an experienced trader. Um, so I think I think that's very appealing in a, in a lot of ways. But the the risk and and the balance that we have to strike is to to make sure that we don't alienate um, our existing customer base um, by creating a, a intimidating um, user interface. I mean. I I know you know when I, when I was looking at you know the first kind of CFD platforms that I ever like you know uh, you know tentatively uh, tentatively signed up to I, you know I was pretty pretty terrified. <laughs> but, I mean there was a good reaction to what you posted on Twitter, which was um, the first mock-up, and you said subject to to much change, which I really liked, um, and I actually did a video on it um, discussing how it would probably work, potentially work. 
doing air quotes here. Um, and some people commented like, wow, this looks really complicated. Um, I think when this comes, I'll leave. And I was just like, damn, I thought I was, um, I, th- I thought I was explaining it well, not trying to uh, put fear into people. So it, that balance is really important, isn't it? Not alienating the user, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, we, we're considering a couple of ways that we could roll it out. Um, and one of those could be that actually we have the basically a, a platform that is very, very similar looking to our current platform and you can, you can buy and you can sell and you don't have to, you don't have to place limit orders. Um, and uh, a pro platform um, where people can do the more technical uh, style of uh, style of trading, where uh, for for those people who want that functionality, um, it it is a case of sort of approach with caution um, from our perspective as we as we do everything is sort of thought through it with great detail, because you know I could use the example of Betfair who came into the UK market and said, ta-da, that's the end of the bookmaker. Now that people can, um, you know, back and lay, as they call it, uh, on, on that platform. Um, and years later, it was proven wrong because they actually ended up launching a bookmaker um, <laughs> and then eventually merging with one. Um, so it, it's very clear, obviously, that yes, their product appeals to a group of people, I think our product actually has a, a wider appeal than than Betfair as an exchange, um, and I wouldn't want to see. I don't think any of us want to see our existing users alienated. Mm. So everything we do really is about improving the football index experience, not taking anything away from it. And you know, we do certainly this year. If this year has taught us anything you know, is to approach all change with extreme trepidation. Um, And in fact, you know, quite a lot of our users have said, you know, it would be really nice to have a period with no change. (laughs) Um, And I think that that's a very reasonable ambition. And it's very easy to assume, and we've been, you know, living with these order books now for some, some time. So it seems you know, reasonably simple to us. But of course, if you, if you haven't been exposed to it, it, it can be intimidating. Um, you know, we just spent a week with NASDAQ. They, f- they flew over. We did a design study with them. So Kieran and the guys spent a, a week at the NASDAQ offices um, thrashing out exactly how this might all be achieved. And, and and how, you know, how these order books can be presented in a way that um, is not going to be intimidating. Um, so we, you know, we are approaching it with extreme caution and sort of poking at it, with, but without, it, it's not going to suddenly get parachuted into the platform. Um, is, it, is it aimed to come out in 2019? <laughs> That's great radio. We were all, all, all eyes looked at Kieran. Yeah, right? looked at Kieran. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I think we're still in process on that one. I mean, I think I think that's fair to say. It, it won't be a quick. It won't be a quick thing. Um, and the timing of it, you know, when we time it, you know, to coincide with the beginning of the season or. It, it, you know, from a seasonal point of view, we, we want it to be at the right time. Um, so, 
You know, we, we spent last Friday talking about that in some detail, but we're, we're not close to quite an announcement on anything. I think, I think it's definitely worth at this point um, making, making it really clear that the order books is not some sort of fundamental product change. It's not going to change the dividends. It's not going to change the payouts. It's not going to change the, the share prices. What it's going to do is give people a bit more flexibility to, to put buy and sell orders into um, the platform. So, you know, they, they, they have more flexibility. It's not going to negatively affect um, how, people, how people can use it. And how necessary is it from, from your guys' perspective, from a business perspective, to remove yourself a bit more from, from the market, to have less liabilities? Or, as you mentioned, Mike, that you might still, in part, be a market maker um, when they come in. Yeah. How, how, how essential is it for Football Index as a business? Well, you know, I mean, I, th- I think it's great for people to, to see this as a, as a realistic market uh, and, um, to, to put in, and, to, and to have the market determine the value of the bets um, rather than us be determining the value of those bets. So I think for a third, to enable third parties to take positions so that people can come in and put bid offers in so it's not just us buying back the shares but other people being able to buy back the shares to enable the traders to sell to to sell not only to us but to a variety of people who are putting bids in and and that's kind of the thing isn't it when we've spoken to people in financial services industry and they go oh you know you've got a football stock market that's interesting and then they'll obviously they're, they're quite au fait with how these things work and they'll quite quickly go to well, who, who buys them back then? <laughs> and then when you say, oh, well, actually, we're, we're, we're the instant sell, but there is a sell queue, it'll be, oh, oh yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of less interested. So I think that's the key upside to us is that people, there'd be that transparency around, you know, and the ability to, to pump in liquidity either side as, as you take it. Yeah, so the, there will be more transparency as to how the, uh, the price is determined. Um, and a lot of more sophisticated people have indicated that they would be much more prepared to be involved in the market at a higher level um, with that additional transparency around the price discovery. So that's one of, one, of, one of the benefits is that we, we do anticipate that we would appeal to a, um, a, a new demographic in, in doing that. Anything to add, Kieran? Um, I, th- I think, you know, uh, the, way, the way you phrase the question is how, how essential is it? Um, I would say it's not actually essential. We've got a very, very thriving business model right now. Um, but we can improve it. Okay. No, that's, that's, a, that's a good answer. But the last thing I want to talk about before we all head off um, is multiple indexes. Another thing, and I think I said this on the podcast a few weeks ago, where I feel like football indexes of the community always want to worry about one thing, whether it be what a share split could do, whether or not the share split will be uniform, um, whether media dividends will go to Spain, uh, or like whether we'll see other contributors added. And... 
when you when you mentioned um, the multiple indexes in the in the share split announcement, a lot of people said, "Oh well, obviously everyone's going to take their money out of football index and put it into golf index, tennis index, NBA index." So why don't we talk a bit more about the the ambitions to create this multiple uh, multiple indexes platform? Mm. Well, I mean, the first thing to say is obviously football is the biggest sport on the planet, um, and we are completely committed effectively to kind of owning football in the UK. We do see this massive opportunity, especially as I mentioned in the current climate um, where um, there is some poor sentiment around um, traditional gambling and the amount of money that um, has been lost to the likes of Bet365. <laughs> there. You know, their 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 financials yeah, are just been. Well, she, yeah. you know, got to be yeah, two hundred and sixty-five million was it she took. I mean, they did fifty-two point six billion pounds worth of stakes, and that was before uh, that was before the World Cup. <laughs> that was up to March eighteen, so a, you know, staggering. Um, uh, turnover in, in stakes. Um, but in that climate, we do see a real opportunity for us to go very mainstream in football. And we don't want to do anything to derail or defocus from, from that goal, which is to become um, a really um, a completely new um, betting, sustainable betting model. Um, uh, so with that in mind, um, we, would, we would, won't do anything to um, derail um, uh, this platform. Um, there are other indexes and they are under review. Uh, there are no concrete plans to launch one uh, in the very immediate future. Um, I do think there's a big difference between um, you know, I don't know how many football fans would really know who to buy on the golf circuit um, or on the tennis circuit. Federer is on slightly on his way out, and probably most football fans couldn't name more than three or four tennis players. Um, so I don't I don't want to um, you know really emphasise that as a big threat because I, I don't think it is a real threat to to football. Um, but but surely like. If I saw an opportunity to make a lot of money on the in, uh, tennis index or golf index, I'd go bloody learn about golf. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, I, that, you that, know, that's I think what someone would tell me. The other things would make absolutely, whereas we used to talk about penny shares back in the day, we are absolutely not talking about no, penny, yeah. penny shares. So the one thing I can guarantee you is we, we won't be launching a football platform, um, sorry, a tennis platform with a lot of underpriced shares. So. You know, it the the way it won't be a bargain basement opportunity. They will be realistically priced. So, um, I don't see uh, the, the likelihood of everyone decamping suddenly out of football into. It's also, I think, worth stating that you know, and being open and transparent about it. As Adam said, it's a bit of a twinkle in our eye at the moment because the, the you know we've got the platform migration. We've got these uh, other territories we're looking at. There's uh, share split. There's the Nasdaq order books project. Uh, I think we've got a, a reasonably long way to go before we we start um, 
our forays into Gaelic football and such. <laughs> Tiddlywinks index. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I've talked about how, you know, you guys would never launch anything that would harm your focal point of a product. And a lot of people say, well, you know, you could set up an account in your, your grandma's name or whatever and start on Tennis Index. And I was like, okay, yeah, there's always going to be loopholes, but Football Index will do as much as they can to make it so I can't liquidate X thousands of pounds and put it straight into Tennis Index if that was a concern. So I think it's um, it's important that people know that these concerns might not be justified. Well, I, th- I think they are not justified as well. And, and, you know, you made a great point before about there's sort of people are, People, people worry about things, don't they? And I understand that. And obviously, if there's a piece of news about, if there's a piece of news potentially about, you know, uh, launching other indexes, then people are naturally going to look at it and either think that's great or they'll worry about it. What we've demonstrated over the past three something years now is that with the market increasing to the to the scale that it has with the users that we've got, we are a lot more robust when 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 incidents happen. So I you know, I could go right back to two years ago and the, the, there would be a, a footballer would break his leg and it would be like, you know, every everyone everyone who plays football index has lost money this day. <laughs> Not quite the same now in terms of impact of, of, of people who go on and, and sell or find themselves in a sort of stickier situation than they were the day before. So to my view, as long as we have that strong, robust market in football, we, we will, uh, which continues to grow, we will have an, an opportunity to launch other products which will not cannibalise that, that existing market. Yeah, there's always going to be value in the football platform and it's always going to hold people. But as long as that's your flagship product and um, I'm not going to start learning about uh, when Roger Federer is going to retire, then I think everyone's going to be happy, right? But I think that's all we've got time for. So uh, thanks everyone for listening and I hope you've uh, enjoyed doing whatever you're doing while you're listening to this. But thank you very much for coming on, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Petra. Cheers. Have a great Christmas. Yes. Merry Figmas to everyone. Yeah. Figmas. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs>